Jessica Alba and Sin City was uh, was pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking back. Remember that movie Idle Hands? You ever see Idle Hands? Oh yes. yeah, I never saw that. Yes, yes. that's peak. Uh, and I'll say this: I, I, see, I, <laughs> I saw Jessica uh, Alba in person once back when the Fantastic Four movie came out. The the, the cast did a signing around the corner from our old office at Jim Hanley's in, in New York City. And she's the only famous person that I've ever seen who looks better in person than she does on the screen. Oh, I've got someone too that I saw in person. When we were in New Orleans, it's funny, we saw two famous people either going to New Orleans or in New Orleans. We saw Heather Graham. We were on a tour in New Orleans and her and her, I guess her boyfriend or somebody, we were like across the street. And she she looks much more attractive in person than she doesn't. Heather Graham is one of the most attractive humans ever, in my opinion. So that's, that's uh, a you know what it is. That's she a has big eyes. I, I guess I it's that. just that I didn't I, I didn't expect her to look that good not on TV or movies. Uh, like right. I, you know, sometimes you expect them not to look as good, but she definitely looked as good as she does on in movies. So anyway, right. uh, let's get, let's start the show. <laughs> oh, okay. You guys ready? Oh, I'm ready. Yep. All right. Welcome to Talk Around Riyadh, the Wheel of Time showcast. I am your host, Joe Perry, here with my co-host, Jen Isgro. How are you tonight, Jen? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you? <laughs> that was tough to get that out that second time, wasn't oh, it? <laughs> you didn't ask it a different way. <laughs> I didn't ask it. I asked it exactly the same way, and I threw you oh, for a loop. Damn it. <laughs> I guess I'm like robotic in that. So that's good. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, Jen. And how are you doing, Tom Kokoza, or the co-host? I'm disappointed in you, Joseph Perry. I'm disappointed. I uh, but I am excited about tonight's show. You know, most, you of our shows, most of our shows, not really that good. Tonight, going to be a good show tonight. Don't say that, Tom. This could be like some people, this could be their first show, and then they're not going to go back and listen to other shows. <laughs> Fair Tom's enough. just kidding. Maybe our first few shows weren't that good, but that's because we were new at the whole podcasting thing and we're getting used to it. So, but we definitely have a lot of great shows, and this is going to be our next greatest show. But it's also our fiftieth yeah. episode. So, whoa! Can you guys believe we've been doing this for? This is our fiftieth episode. <laughs> I cannot. Whoa! It. it is. <laughs> Jesus, Jen, you're going to get all over me tonight, oh aren't God. you? <laughs> all right. So I won't dwell on that part then, since you, no one seems to care that much. I said it is. But anyway, it's, it's amazing. A, 50 episodes. Yeah, I can't 50 believe episodes it. Is great. Yeah. It doesn't feel like 50 episodes to me at all. I can't believe we've been doing this that long. But Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a very quick ride for us. Yeah. So we do have some news or, you know, quote unquote news to talk about this week. Not like last week. Thanks to uh, Narg, of course, is always pulling things out for us. And also the... Um, Instagram post storm by Barney Harris. So thanks to him. And we got a couple other things to talk about it. So let's get right into it. What do you say? So our biggest and best, I think, piece of news is that Narg had found, and I think some other people also found this picture, but I think Narg just happened to be the first person to post it. But he found a picture of white cloaks in costume. Narg cleverly, you know, blotched their faces out with Narg heads. And they're standing uh, in front of a, what appears to be a Children of the Light tent on a sound stage. So you guys have all seen this picture. You guys have any first thoughts on this post? I really like it. The only thing I don't like is the pauldron, which is a word I just learned this week, that like ruffle. I don't like how the sunburst is in there because I feel like you can't really see it that well. Um, so I'm not really like a huge fan of that. 
But, oh, um, in the sho- on the shoulder, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like inside, but I don't know. I guess when you think about it, having a yellow sunburst on the front of that would kind of look cheesy. So I guess I can understand why they did it. But I really, really like how they kind of look like, um, they have like a really religious vibe to them. You know, they're like priest robes. That's what they remind me of. Yeah, it looks like they're wearing cassocks. Right, right, yes. cassocks, yeah. That's the word I was looking for. So, um, but I like it. It's not, it doesn't look like armor, but it... It's like a soldiery vibe, like a soldier priest. That's kind of what it reminds me of. I really do like it a lot. Yeah. How about you, Tom? I, I agree pretty much on everything that Jen said. I'm, I'm missing the the visual of a sunburst. Uh, I feel like that's very subtle for, for them. But I love the costume design. I love the intricacies of it. And I think, again, I, we talk about this uh, fairly often, but uh, this is indicative of, I guess, the quality and, and the... And the uh, the level of detail that they're putting into this stuff that it doesn't just look good from far away. Like the detail of these costumes is, is it's very intricate. So the up close stuff, is going to look really good. This picture, when you go into it, it also has, you know, the tent in the background at first, you're like, oh, okay, they're in front of a tent, whatever. The tent has some interesting stuff in it as well. In regards to the design thereof, I saw some people try and debate as to whether the red ish tassels from the top of the picture mm-hmm. are, 3d or printed upon the fabric itself i couldn't tell from the this photo i'm not oh that's kind a good of guy point. but uh i think that they're just flat i to me it seems like the, it's an odd thing for them to be printed on so i'm looking at it and you're right but look at the one on the corner above the middle white cloak uh-huh. doesn't it look like it's in front of the seam yeah i i think they look 3d uh, yeah i think <laughs> What? They do. No, it's just we're picking at like three-dimensional tassels. Oh, oh. That's no, because if you look at that, if the third one, the one that's in the middle, it's like dark on the bottom as if that's like the bottom of the tassel like grouped together. I don't know. Yeah. I think they look 3D to me. Yeah. What, one other thing that I wanted to point out about the picture that's really obvious, but something that we've really not talked about much on this show at all, because there's not a lot of, like you don't get a lot of glimpses inside of these things. This is filmed on a soundstage. And yeah, that was my big takeaway from this. Right. I mean, and we've yeah. not heard really any production news about things being filmed on sound stages, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, um, this is exciting to me because this opens up things, you know, a lot, a lot of possibilities as to like what they're going to be doing, what what they're not going to be doing. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a lot there I want to comment on. I think you said it perfectly. Why we, we're not getting stuff from the sound stage, probably because it's a closed set and it's hard to get like. The, the pictures we've been getting of sets have been like tourists or people wandering into the wilderness and finding the sets. No one's wandering into to the sound stage or, you know, maybe a food delivery guy or something. Yeah. But, well, somebody posted this and, uh, you know, took this and posted it and probably shouldn't have. Yeah, it was, it was probably a crew member or an extra who took this. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, there was a lot of people on Twitter criticizing the costumes yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll read out just the first description we get of the White Cloaks. I, I looked it up, and it's in um, Chapter 15 of the Eye of the World. It's when they're in Barillon, and Rand sees the um, the three White Cloaks. Um, it says, three men in breastplates and conical steel caps, burnished till they shone like silver. So none of these guys are wearing breastplates, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of weird. You'd think they'd be wearing armor, at least. Obviously, conical hats, they're... They're just taking a picture. They probably took their helmets off. Well, but yeah, the, like I think in their camp, so it's like their downtime. So that's probably why they're not wearing like breastplates and helmets. That's true. They might not because they're not like filming. They took off their breastplates. That's a very that's a good possibility. No, no. I mean, even like in the show, they're in their camp. 
they're not like marching or fighting someone. You know, they're not like they're just oh, on their yeah. own downtime. I'll buy that. Um, yeah, I think the sunburst is the most noticeable thing, though, that's missing there. The I, It doesn't really bother me that much. I think the costumes look cool. I do think, yeah, right, I got that religious vibe. You know what bothers me the most about these costumes? It's the belts. The belts Why? look totally like out of place. <laughs> I don't know. It just bothers me. Look at it. There's like all the different notches for the sizes. The They don't look like, um, what is this supposed to be, kind of Renaissance or 18, 1700s kind of level i don't know they just don't look that i don't mind them they look like fancy belts you would buy on some sort of like designer website (laughs) but anyway i like it we got a picture i think this they said this was taken sometime in january of this year um which kind of ties into i believe like some of the filming of the wolves so i think this is safe to say that this is the um encounter with uh, perrin and egwain with the white cloaks this falls in i guess block three Right, that was at that time, which is kind of this is all tying in. We've got we got a lot of clues to I realize block three and what's taking place during it. So I think this just adds to that. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on, we had a Instagram post storm by Barney Harris. Uh, we can go through all of these pictures, but there's so many. There's a picture <laughs> of him, Yosha, and Marcus in a tent, all bundled up, just I guess hanging out. This. Probably, I mean, all these look like they were taken, obviously, previous, prior. None of these are photos that were taken recently. Um, This looks like time back in the winter when they were filming. We've got a picture of what looks like Zoe and Madeline. I don't know where they are, but it must be fairly warm because they're wearing T-shirts. So I'm not sure when this this is from. Did you guys see this one? Yeah, the, the one where they're outside the house. Yeah. This had to be early on, I guess, right? Could have been. Could have been in like the fall. It's hard to say. I don't know what the weather is like there, but Celtic Mist is saying this is from Slovenia, which I was going to comment on because the mountains are in the background. But yeah, I wonder if this this must be from early on because they're not dressed up all as warm. There's a picture of Barney Harris with Sybil Ameti, who I think is some sort of production assistant or some sort of assistant on the show, and you can see. Uh, in the back left, uh, Alvaro Mortez back there. What else do we have? We have Barney Harris wearing his Wheel of Time hat. We have uh, my favorite one is Barney Harris, Yosha, and Madeline Madden, who appears to be wearing a wig. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh... I I never thought, to be honest with you, I never thought about her wearing a wig. She has like long I don't think it's that long. Well, if you look at the picture of her and um, Zoe, it's pretty long. I mean, it's not really long, but it's I think it's long enough. But she, I guess, not long enough to get that Two Rivers braid. Maybe the the wig is just in a braid. It's easier. But what this uh, made me think of was, remember way back, and I tried to find them, there were the pictures of crew and something in Slovenia, and there was the bridge and over the water, obviously. Mm-hmm. And there was that, like, it looked like a stunt double wearing a braid, a braided wig. I'm wondering if that's what this is from, like, around that time. And it's probably the um, her and Perrin in the river when they flee Shadow. But when does she take her braid out, though? She does take it out before that, but yeah. they could change that in the show. <laughs> no? Ah, sure, not why not? It. They could change anything. <laughs> and then I think the last one I have that I noted was extreme close-ups of Marcus Rutter with like a beat-up kind yeah. of bloody face that I don't even know if they're from the show, but I would assume they are. So 
Maybe there was I a just fight assumed it was from Winter Night because if it was from the fight uh, with the White Cloaks after Shadar Logoth, they're not together. They wouldn't be on set together for that. So, uh, yeah, I just assume it's Winter Night. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I assume so, it's Winter Night. Uh, and he got that only from the damage he took. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no splashback. No splashback at all. Well, maybe this, maybe this is from before uh, the splat. The splatter, the splatter marks were uh, were washed away. Um, <laughs> yeah. by his tears. Yeah. So just a little glimpse into some pictures. Um, nothing really too telling. I think the wig on Madeline was probably the most notable thing I saw. And then moving on, we have a post by Paulina Skavova. So if you guys remember, somebody, oh, it was um, at Watt TV series had tweeted or found a tweet by her that she had been making statuesses of priestesses and guardians for the show that she had made back in 2019 and 2020. She posted on Instagram um, just a lot of hashtags. It just says working and smiling in the studio, sculpturing, um, working for the movie, although this is not a movie, then hashtag Wheel of Time, big sculpture coming soon. Any thoughts on what that is? I, I assume that obviously it's not for season one because I think it's a bit late for that. So I'm thinking season two. If you guys are on the same page as me, what do you think it could be? Season two. I already said the Choden Call, but I guess it, it could be that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought that's too. That's what right? I thought as three. And my guess is obviously she's not going to make, you know, we're talking about the statue that Rand uh, encounters on his way to Kyrian, right? In the Great Hunt uh, that they're digging up. Obviously, she's not going to make a statue that big, I don't think. It probably is a scale model that would be used as a reference point. Right. Okay. Tom? Um, <laughs> I, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they plan on making this work. I, I doubt she, she's obviously she's not going to make a statue the size of the Statue of Liberty. But I don't know if she's going to do like what, what level scale they're going to do or if they're going to do something that is going to appear on set or if it's just going to be like, okay, here's your reference point. We're going to sculpt this and then you're going to, you know, CGI it in later on. Uh, that's exactly what I think they're going to do is she'll make a statue and probably for close-ups, they'll use her sculpture and then they'll either use some sort of CGI effects or something to blow it up or scale it up for the show. I don't really know. I'm basing this on nothing. They're just going to hold it really close to the camera. Yeah. So yeah. it looks really big. I love exactly. that that's like it's movie magic. I love that that's like the silliest sounding thing in the world, but that's just how they did like Gandalf and Frodo like half the time. Yeah. They're just made, you know, uh what's his face be closer to the camera. Yeah, the table like gets bigger the farther it is yeah. from the camera. <laughs> well, I mean, how they do that all the time in movies. They've been doing that for years with models and things of cities and all that kind of stuff. So I it wouldn't surprise me if that's what they're doing. I think it's a little more refined process now, but but the Choden Call is like down far away from him, right? It's like down in a ditch being dug out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it'd probably be easier to, um, you know, you could do CGI or a model and use forced perspective because it's not right up close to him. So it'll probably make it a little easier. Yeah. And I got the last thing I have is Rosamund Pike posted a, a picture on Instagram. Uh, we made it over the mountains behind us of the Julian Alps in Slovenia. Country of rare colors and natural wonders. Talk, and then she talks about her car. Hashtag road trip. So it looks like Rosamund is in Slovenia, which is very close to where they would be filming, if not where they're going to be filming. 
So you guys think this is this lines up with the thoughts that they were going to she mentioned, I think, earlier in a podcast that she was going back to work in early September. Yeah, it's a nice car. Yeah, it's a a nice car. Didn't she stay uh... in Prague this whole time? Yeah, somebody said that she lives there. She must have like got an apartment there or something. I think I heard somebody mention that. So, yeah, this uh, could mean absolutely nothing. We're seeing a lot of Alps, though, from people on the show, right? Rafe was going to the Alps and Taylor Napier, who was presumably with Rafe. Yeah. But, yeah, so, okay, Jen, so this is nothing. No, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that she's been there the whole time. So, um, it could mean something, it, it could right. be nothing, but... Seeing her there doesn't necessarily make me as excited as seeing possibly someone else. That's all I'm saying. No, you're right. It doesn't add, right? We heard she said that she's going back to work early September. I think that's around the time we expect everything to start back up again. We know that some of the crew has already gone back. I think it's optimistic that they're going to start filming when they plan to. What did we get? They said two months per block or was it two months per episode? That Sally Richardson Woodfield was talking about. Oh, I don't remember. Two months per block. It's a month a month per episode. So about four weeks of filming for each episode. I, well, I think she said it was two weeks of prep and then two weeks of filming or something yeah. like that, right? That was what it was. Okay. So then I guess we could expect that they'll be finished up by November for an, a release in early 2021, maybe? Maybe right around Jordan Con, we can get a trailer or something like that. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad that we uh, our tickets rolled over, so. <laughs> I hope they have it. Yeah, let's hope, let's hope it happens. I think they'll have it. They may reschedule the location, but I think they'll have it. I never thought about that. Okay, that is our news for the evening. So it's time to move on to our main topic of the night, and that is adapting the end of Eye of the World. So this is kind of a big thing, I think, that we've been talking about for a while uh, internally is, for one, you know, not I don't think everyone here agrees that they're going to be ending the first season on the Eye of the World. Number two, what the hell happens at the end of the Eye World? Because it's very confusing and there's a lot of weird shit going on. So we're going to hit that too. So, and then three, I guess, is, yeah, how are they going to adapt it? And if it's not going to, to be the end of the season, if we if we all kind of, I think, agree that they're probably going to go a little bit into book two, is how do they adapt the end of the Eye of the World to not be the, I guess, the ending of the season? So... Are you guys ready to get into this? I'm ready. I am so ready. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so you will, let's just take it by events that happen, right? So I'm going to start with what's leading up to them going to the green man's place. So right before they get there, the party is attacked by oh – God, this, is, this seems so weird. When I was rereading it, I was like, what the hell is going on here? There are trees. <laughs> there are – nameless creatures and then eventually worms that are chasing them. And I, I don't even know. Do you guys even want to talk about whether that's going to be in the show? No, we need the blight for a different thing. But I, I think that this is what I put in my notes about how I want the blight to look very vaguely. They really need to make the blight work to make the ideal, the, the idol of the, of the eye of the world work. It should be a cross between Tim Burton and Paul Verhoeven. Viscerally bizarre and horrific. That's That's my... Those are my notes on what I want the blight to be. I don't care what creatures they put in or don't put in, but I want it to look disturbing, but not look cartoonish, look uh, really, really violent and and, uh, and such. Who is the, um, I heard his name, but who is the second director? You said, what what movies has he directed? Uh, Robocop. Paul Verhoeven and Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. He's directed a ton of movies. He's an awesome director. Uh, Didn't he also direct Basic Instinct? Yep. 
and uh, Total Recall. Oh, Total okay. Recall. Yes. <laughs> I saw that one. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yes, I don't want trees to attack. Someone put in stream while well, while we're chatting about this. Someone put the trees from The Wizard of Oz, and I feel like, <laughs> although I do think that that's a cool mythological reference, if you will, to kind of call back to. I'm afraid that it's going to get a little goofy. Well, it's weird, right? Because the trees don't attack them at first. Don't the trees attack the creatures? Yes. Right? That jump out at them. And then I guess eventually the trees kind of swat at them for a yeah, bit. Yeah, the trees are just uh, predators like everything else. Do we need worms? Or is that too cliche? <laughs> it's been done too much in sci-fi. And, you know, we've got um, June. We've got Beetlejuice. We've got... Uh, dare I say, tremors. <laughs> I think we could catch like glimpses of it now and then because they're riding away from it. So they're not really looking at it too much. Maybe we could just every so often just see like a quick glimpse of it just to get an idea of like how fast it's moving and how big it is. Maybe we could see like the wake, like what it left behind it, the trees knocked down or whatever, just to get an idea. We don't have to see the whole thing. Yeah, it's weird. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I want all of this in there. I th- <laughs> I think the I think worms is kind of overdone. I don't think it needs to be in there. I do like though that they're I like them entering the green man's place and riding in in like desperation. And how are they going to do that? Oh, I had an I had an idea of how they could do the transition. Oh, go tell me then cuz I want to know how they're going to so do they're this. So they're riding away like they're being chased. So they're riding in and I have like a close up on Rand's face and maybe he closes his eyes and then all you see is the light change on his face. And then you pan back out and they're there. So you don't actually see them transition into it. They're just in it. Oh. And so everything like, like yeah, like they're riding, riding, riding. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, it's silent and, and all that. Right. They're on their horses. Right. right. They're riding away from uh, like it's like. So, yeah, maybe he puts his head down in like the horse yeah, something and, like kinda, that. and just rides to like kind of duck the trees. And then like he looks up and he sees that yeah. they're in the green man place. I like that. That's awesome. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> All right. I hope they were listening to us. I'm sure the writers <laughs> yeah. were listening to us. I think they pretty much have their ideas down by now. <laughs> no, they're going to change it from what we said. All right. So, there's still time. so they, yeah, there's still time to make it awesome. So, all right. So they do wind up in the green man place. There's plants, leaves, flowers, blossoms, bees, all that good stuff bees. in there. Yeah. They mentioned <laughs> well, bees. I'm cutting the bees. Well, bees are great. They're great for <laughs> flowers and plants. True. A lot of butterflies. Uh, I don't like yeah. them either. So then they meet <laughs> okay. the green man. So what do you guys think? Green Man in or out? Is the Green in. Man going to make the show? He's in. Full motion capture, but definitely in. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, maybe the Green Man is who they brought, um, what's his name, and the guy who worked on Pan's Labyrinth yeah. for. Maybe they maybe brought it's him Maybe it's Doug Jones. He plays all those weird characters. Oh, yeah. I will say this. I'm going to read a description of, of the Green Man that I have here, stripped of Jordan's poetry. So I'm not going to read a quote from the book. I'm just going to read the things that Jordan uses to describe how the Green Man looks. His skin is made of woven vines and leaves. He has shoulder-length hair made of grass. His eyes are two hazelnuts. He has leaves for his shirt and pants. His boots are made of bark. He's approximately 12 feet tall. That is a bit much. You forgot one thing. His fingernails are acorns. Yes, that's true. (laughs) It doesn't have to be all that. It could just be like a tree person, like however they want to interpret that. I, I picture him looking like a cross between Swamp Thing and the Jolly Green Giant. Um, <laughs> like, I think that's what they're going to kind of do. So, yeah, and you want to keep him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I picture the ends and, totally. Like Treebeard. Not that big, no, but I, I, that's I, exactly what I picture. Oh, my God. I This is I, – I'm like – yeah. I'm, and, I, 
I don't want to cut anything from what Jordan wrote, and that's just me. I'm going to be like that. But the green man is hard to do and make him not look cheesy. Well, but it has to be there be, because like, we, be CGI. Sorry, we need that moment later. He has such a good yes. moment. He does. So maybe they make him more human-like than the description. No. Yeah. I think they make him more human-like. <laughs> I don't think they make him human. Uh, but I, you right. think he's got grass hair? You think they'll get some grass and make a wig out of it? No, that's what I'm saying. I don't think his eyes are going to be nuts. Um, <laughs> you want to get nuts? <laughs> Let's get hazelnuts. <laughs> um, but I think that, like I said, like I think he's going to be more like he's a green dude that's definitely planty. But I don't uh, think he's going to be no. like plants I, come to life. I need him to be like, plants. I need him to be a tree. <laughs> you just want him to be a tree. I he's, do. I, I don't want. Not, I don't want him to be a giant. Like I want him to be a tree man. He's the only one that we see, so he has to be different than everything else. All right. I don't picture him as a tree. I, I kind of hope they don't go the tree route, but I'm gonna picture something a little more human than what's described, but with some elements of <laughs> of that description. Yeah, I, I said like, I really picture him looking like like Swamp Thing looks. Uh, which is a humanoid that's got vines and planty, mossy kind of vibe to him, but it's not like, oh, there's some leaves that are his face. Like, that's too much. Like, that's like very, not that, someone put up like Swamp Thing from like, I think the TV show. I meant like just what Swamp Thing looks like, not that. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. What do you mean? The real what Swamp, swamp thing? thing? Like, swamp like there's a real Swamp Thing? No, but Swamp Thing's a comic book first. And like, oh, you mean from the comic book? Yeah, okay. it'd be like saying, "Oh, I want him to look like Batman," and find like the Batman cereal from like 1937, and like go and like, "Oh, that's the Batman that you mean?" I'm like, no, I meant Batman. You know, he's cool. But um, <laughs> anyway, I think they got to put him in because I agree with Jen. He is so cool in what he does. You can't skip that. It's like one of the best kills in the whole series. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think they'll keep him. He does there's a lot of exposition too. So some things that I I made note of that he does when when he meets them, he calls Perrin a wolf brother and he calls yeah. Rand a child of the dragon. Does Moraine say that you shouldn't be able to find the eye of the world twice, or or is he the first person to bring that up? I don't remember. I feel like Moraine brings it up earlier, but he confirms it because he says, like, oh, I see you know, again, I see you again. And he's like, I'm surprised. Yeah. And she says, well, the need was that great. So I wonder why he even put that in there um, that you couldn't go twice, unless it was just to, like, accentuate the fact that, like, of how great the so. need was. I think Yeah, because this is the only time anybody even goes so, there. Yeah, and I, actually, I think that's I, important I actually, to, to do that part. Yeah, I actually put that in to myself and how this adaptation works later on. I actually had okay. a callback to that for me. Yeah. I think they need to put that part in, like how important it is. I think that definitely outlines how important this whole part is, mm-hmm. even though it's weird and you don't understand what's going on. And I'm I'm wondering, I mean, we'll get into it, but if it's, they're going to make it a little bit more digestible or not even that, but more able to be understood what the hell's going on. And I imagine it will be because it's uh, there's visuals. So like I said, he does mention, he does call Perrin a wolf brother. He mentions Rand as a child of the dragon. So those are two things like right out that, you know, the wolf, the wolf man, that the green man has power is that he can, he kind of can sense things from people. So he winds up taking them to an arched opening in the side of the hill. And at the top of the arch, there is the ancient symbol of the Aes Sedai, the yin yang symbol. Do we have to? Matt mentioned. Oh. Go ahead. Tom. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. 
I was just going to say Matt mentions that he's weird, weird enough. Matt mentions that he's been waiting. To, he's wanting to see Avid, uh, Avendisora because I guess he thinks it's here. And then the green man looks at Rand saying that it's not here. I guess looking at Rand because he thinks, well, he doesn't think. He knows Rand is Aiel and expects Rand would know that. Spoiler alert, Avendisora is in Ruidian and not here. Right. So I'm wondering if that's something that they would keep in as kind of like a little uh, Easter egg type deal. And then it will. And like, that's something that I 100% did not get the first time I read the series at all or the second time I read it. I think I didn't get it until like the third. Well, or fourth yeah, time because it doesn't stuff. it doesn't pay off till four books later. Right. <laughs> so I'm wondering if they'll throw that in there. Uh, it's something that I don't know. Maybe I could see them th- throwing it in there. And then when you when they get to the season with the shadow rising, that they'll show that like previously on Wheel of Time, <laughs> yeah. they'll show the clip of like the green man's like yeah. reaction to that. Do you, um, do you think Matt just said that he wanted to see a Vendasora because he didn't want to go in? Uh, that's how I took it this time when I was reading it. I, he was just like, oh, let's do this other thing before we go under this Aes Sedai doorway. You know, I don't know. I don't remember if he mentions it earlier in the book. Maybe when Moraine mentions that they have to go to the Eye of the World, it's like a story or a legend or something that Avendisora is there and that he just thinks and assumes it'll be there. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, think it's more that I think I always read like that Matt is like the one who wants like to have the childish fairy tale experience. He's like, oh, we're in this magic place. Where's this other magic thing? I'm seeing this guy. There's got to be the tree of life here, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I thought, that, again, I didn't even realize that on my first four readings or so of the, Eye of the world. I noticed it now when we went back to it. Okay, so moving along, so the green man states that he can't, he won't go with them. There's a bit of exposition coming up where he mentions that he was set to guard the eye. Um, he doesn't go and visit it because it makes him uneasy. He feels he has like a sense that his the end of his existence is linked with it. Um, he does mention that it was made during the first days of the breaking, and that a hundred Aes Sedai made it, both men and women, and they all died making it pure. So there's like a big lump of exposition that that happens at that point, which is kind of repeated later on by Maureen, which I thought was weird because it's like a couple of pages later. I just want to jump back. Just some, I guess, visual notes of things that that are happening Mm -hmm. as you're talking about this stuff. So one, Mm -hmm. the eye is the first time that you see spring in the series, right? It's winter and everything is dead for the first, you know, bunch of the book of of the show, right? And then the blight is like this terrible, twisted summer, right? So, like, there should really be a marked difference in how the eye uh, looks, how it's filmed. But, like, this is, like, the first time that you see green, like, real greenness and, like, life of, 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 of nature. And I think that that is something that I think that they're going to play up in how they film, film all this. And I think that all of this info dump stuff is going to happen while you see the green man do his green man stuff, gardening, making plants grow, making things grow appropriately, etc. So like, it's important information. This is all stuff that you kind of need to know to have a sense of like the history of the world later on. Uh, and the rest of like this on TV is going to be like super duper action packed. So it's all right if you spend like 10 minutes at the beginning, like slowing things down and explaining to people just, hey, this is why it's important that they're here. Yeah. 
So we're getting to some questions about the Green Man. And just to jump back to when we talked about the Age of Legends, he is a Nim. And the Nim were created by Aes Sedai back in the Age of Legends. They're constructs created by the Aes Sedai. So in case anybody's wondering what the Green Man is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he gives some exposition, tells them all that information. And they decide, you know, they go into the, into the corridor, into the hill. And there's a downward winding corridor. Uh, which, you know, I met, they'll do some cool visuals with that. And it opens up into a massive domed room. It's a lot of great visuals for this stuff. Mm -hmm. There's glowing crystals on the ceiling. There's a giant pool in the shape of an eye, mm -hmm. which takes up most of the space. And there's a path that goes around it. There's a smooth glass surface and no bottom is to be seen. All right, so I have a, I, yeah, I have a question. Yes. Do you think that we need to go inside the eye? What do you you mean into the cave? Yeah, into like, the yeah inside the cave. Um, um, I guess they don't have to. No, you don't. You don't. It, it could be outside. The eye could no, be outside. No, no. I mean, do you think that we even need to see it at all at this point? Like before everything else goes down. Oh, I want the I want the rock. I want the, the, rock. the when, when Matt kicks the rock in and it just gets bigger and bigger and disintegrates. Oh yeah, it's kind of like a reminiscent of uh, was it Pippin kicking the rock into yeah. in Moria? Yeah, and it also like I think adds to the mysticism of the thing, and I think this is an awesome opportunity for set design because this is something that is built at the end of the Age of Legends, right? So it doesn't have to look like everything else. It doesn't have to look like a somewhere between medieval and Renaissance like architectural pattern. It can be like futuristic and ancient. It could be like modern, like carved into a mountain. Uh, I think this has an opportunity to like be really cool with set design, so I want them to do it. I also think that Rand doesn't know what lights look like, like electronic lights or anything like that. So he's like, oh, there's crystals all around this cave. But I think that these are just, they're just lights. Ooh. Oh, oh really? I don't know if I want that. No, I don't want lights like electric. There's a power. There's like a light switch in there. I guess it'll be run by the power, but I don't like I think there's an opportunity. And I, I I think there's an opportunity to have this set design be really, really fun and be something that's really different and give a sense of like, hey, in the age of legends, they this is like how things are. And they make reference to the fact that like the floor is like he, he doesn't know how to describe it. He's like, it's slate, but it's very like there's there's no slide, there's a lot of grip and like uh, to me, I'm like, it's probably like a tile floor or something like that or like whatever. Like, it's just it has the opportunity to be something so different that I oh, hope that they do it. I see where you're getting at there. So, like, we've got this whole kind of and I don't want to use the word medieval, but this more of like a, you know, fantasy type world. And then they get into this eye and it just looks very modern. Yes. And very different. Like, it doesn't belong in this in this world. Yeah. I, I like that idea. I do think they definitely need to show the eye, Jen, in response to that, because th the whole point is like, we've got to get to the eye of the world. We've got to get to the eye of the world. If they don't show what the eye of the world is, I think that's going to piss people off. I guess. Um, it would piss me <laughs> off. It, even I think just the non-book readers, it would probably piss them off that they never get to see the eye of the world. I was just thinking because they only go in that one time. I mean, they go in afterwards, but um, but Rand, like, we don't see it because Rand's not with them. Yeah, yeah, it's off, off screen. Off but I, I think you need to see the giant pool of this weird sort of substance that you don't know what it is. So then later on, when you find out what it is, it kind of pays off a little bit. And plus, at this point, to be honest with you, at this point, 
Maureen explains what it is. <laughs> she basically tells them that this is a pool of cydine and it's she basically recaps what the green man said prior. Um, and it's an untainted pool of cydine. So I, I think it's I think it's very important that they go and see the actual eye. And I think it's a great visual. And I think, Tom, your point there, the, the, the contrast from the rest of the world to this area would be really cool to see and kind of give people an idea of the the wheel and how the wheel works in mm. the different ages. Yes, I think it'll be I think it'll be a, a fun opportunity that I wouldn't want them to miss. I mean, they could just make it look, you know, whatever, like. They can make it look like, hey, it's in the stone cave and it's this cool thing and there's glowing crystals. And that's cool, too. And don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind if you just did that. But like they have an opportunity to do something fun with it. And I think that they will because it looks like it looks like they're taking those opportunities on the show. Yeah. And and this is where the action starts. Right. So right after this is when Agonor and Balthamel appear. Yep. They basically appear out of nowhere. Lan asks how they got there. Agonor mentions that they followed Matt. The dagger, he makes some sort of comments about an old friend, an enemy, or something like that, that they were able to sense. Yeah, that I didn't understand. So it's the dagger. They were able to sense no, the evil I know, from the dagger. That's how they... Like, who's yeah. who's the friend? Mordeth? Yeah. But ha- how do they know Mordeth? Didn't he come around after they were already sealed? But they were... Um, they got to watch everything that happened in the world from where they were. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's they were a on friend? The they were... They were well. I don't know. Does he say friend? I might yeah, be misquoting it. Yeah, I don't know if he says friend or or whatever. But it's it's an evil. It's just a different evil. So like he, I yeah. guess you know from from uh, as you know respects his work from a professional point of view. I just I just thought like <laughs> you couldn't just get in because it's not a physical place, right? So if I'm just like walking along the blight, could I like stumble into it? Yeah, you won't you, you won't find right. It. So that was confusing me. I was just like, how did they? I don't know. It's magic, I guess. Well, yeah, they, no, I, I don't it's think not, they... it, it is. It, it is a physical place. It's just not always in the same place. So I think if if you, you can follow somebody there, if you follow the same footsteps as somebody else takes, you can get there. I think. Oh, right. so that's what I'm gonna so say. So it just like moves around. <laughs> yeah, because it's where it's where you need it to be. So when they when the the group finds it, it's in a it's in a specific location. And I think at that point, other people can get there Okay. Um, if they follow that. But it doesn't always stay in the same location. And I wonder if I'm wondering if like when it's st- it stays in that location until the people who are there leave it and then it kind of disappears until it's needed again. Hmm. I kind of. Yeah, that's how I kind of like imagined it. It kind of manifests physically into a location for a certain period of time. Moraine goes there once before. So is it in New Spring that she goes there? Do we see it? No. It, nope. I think it's prior to the, okay. shortly before the die of the world, I think she goes there. Do we know why or what yeah. she was doing? Nope. It probably uh, would have been addressed in to, the, the the third prequel. but Well, I imagine it has to do with, you know, her her mish, her quest for to find the dragon. Yeah. But why would anybody else go? I'm getting confused because why would anybody else yeah. need it? Well, if you're in the blight, you know, you probably need a place of safety pretty often. Yeah, he does also mention, uh, the Green Man also mentions, like, he when he sees Loyal, he mentions, oh, tree, he calls him Tree Brother, and he says, your kind haven't been here in a long time. So we know that Ogre have been there before. So it's in his place, not necessarily going inside the eye of the world. Correct. Yeah, I think just he means in, in the Green Man's place. Okay. That's right, yes. All right, I understand now. Yeah. Um, Agonor does mention that Forsaken have been are breaking free because they say, "How are you guys free? The Forsaken are bound." And he mentions, you know, just like a Shamael, we're starting to, you know, we're free now, and others will be free soon. 
Then the action starts. Um, we've got land gets attacked. Wait a minute. Uh, I'm sorry. La- wait a minute. You're going oh, way wait. too fast. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's go back, please. Okay. <laughs> Let's go back. Could we talk about yeah, yeah. Balthamel's mask? <laughs> you yes, want to talk about I, the gimp? I, I definitely would yes. like to change Balthamel's mask. I, I'm also on that page with you. You mind if I have my notes on this and then you can take it from there? Okay. Again? Yeah, go. I feel like we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. All right. So I have Aginor should look horrifying, flat. Balthamel. I don't know if they're going to do the BDSM mask with the face on it. I'm worried it's a little too Ryan Murphy. Uh, I understand it's important to indicate that he's a sexual predator, but I just don't know how they're going to do that. So, Jen, do you go for go for, take it. Take it as I feel you're I don't mind if he wears like a full black mask covering his whole head, but the laughing face on the front of it is weird. Like, are there even eye holes? How does he see out of it? Does he see using the power? I, I don't know. Yeah, but that face on the front I just think is too weird I don't mind if it's just like a full black mask with eye holes you know covering his like whole head like an executioner yeah 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 they could uh, do that mask mm-hmm. I think it would look better like that I mean unless they find some way to make the laughing face look really cool and creepy but I don't know I, I really don't like it or that maybe like a gimp kind of thing in Pulp Fiction well that's the thing I don't, I don't want it to be like <laughs> that's what I was saying like, I don't want it to be too much like the first season of uh, American Horror Story I never watched that show but like that I don't want it to be like it, oh that's just a gimp guy but, like, again, he is kind of like a gimp guy, you know, and I don't know. So He doesn't talk or anything. Um, right. Yeah, he is kind of weird there in that respect. So here's a question for you, too, and this comes up a little bit later on, right? Agenor is, like, they mentioned he's, like, very old and ancient looking. He looks, you know, like he's dug up from <laughs> – you guys remember dug up? <laughs> yes. No. Yes. What's dug up? <laughs> you don't remember? Dug, dug up from <laughs> – from when we watched the Indiana Jones DVD with like the extra features and there was the one guy, he was like a crew member. His name was like Doug and he was like, he looked like he was like a thousand years old. So somebody made a joke about how he looked like he was just dug up. Uh, but Aganol Wright looks really old, but then later on he kind of kind of changes back into a younger man. Yes. Do you think we're going to get that? Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So there's like uh, some battling ensues. Um, Land gets tossed aside. Nynaeve gets all ballsy and goes to attack Agonor with her belt. Knife. I have notes. Balthamel I have notes here. You're going too up. fast go again. Ahead, You're go ahead. Skipping what am I my notes. What am I? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very important for this scene when Land hesitates yes. between Moraine and Nynaeve. That's a big moment. Mm. It's a really big moment, and you have to show that clearly. Right, he looks between Moraine and Nynaeve, yeah. right, and trying to figure out, That's why out, they like, get him, because he takes that split second when he should have been charging, and he's looking at them, and they're both on opposite sides of the clearing, and in that split second, he just gets knocked out. I like that. Yeah, I think they need to keep that in. And you're right, that's just a glance. That's literally, like, two seconds of him, like, looking between the two of them. And then I think Nynaeve's response to Land getting tossed aside also is probably some character building in yeah. there. Yeah, well, reading I'm just going to murder this guy. Um, Nynaeve and Egwene are the first two to go after these guys. And I just think that's really awesome because obviously Nynaeve is the first. She goes after Balthamel. He tosses her aside. But then Egwene goes and Rand jumps on top of her and knocks her down. And then it says, oh, everybody else was doing stuff too. But also I noticed 
it takes a really long time for Moraine to do anything in this scene, and it seems really weird. Well, here's what it is. This is literally all happening at the same time, and he's just describing it no. in an order because he can't say it. Not really. No. Not really, no, because no, no. like it's, Nynaeve it, goes after waits. him, he she tosses waits. her, then Egwene goes, Rand knocks her down, then the boys grab their weapons, they run, they're knocked back, then the green man comes out, he does what he does yeah. to Balthamel, and it's and then Moraine acts. So to me, it's like a full minute from when Lan gets okay. knocked out to when Moraine does something. She's prepping. She's prepping. That's why I, I picture it. She's she's marshalling her forces. She's. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't agree. I think this is literally all happening over a matter of seconds, and it's just you have to write everything down separately. And it's Rand's point of view, and the first thing that happens is Lan attacks, and then it's just explained kind of in a successive narrative, like. He's making a point of explaining that Nynaeve sees Lan get knocked out and then she reacts to trying to expose the connection between Nynaeve and Lan. Um, you get her being taught. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Shantanae wrote in chat, um, Moraine rolled a one for initiative. Exactly. I think she's <laughs> literally just like, she, she, she's, she's holding her initiative to see how the battle plays out. She doesn't want to throw a fireball at them because everyone's running in. She's That's getting- all exactly, exactly right. Fireball, no fireball in the church scenario. Yeah, Rand just inexplicably tackles Egwene because he sees her and is like, "Oh, I gotta protect Egwene," and kind of tackles her to the ground preemptively. Rand is the um, only one of them going. Well, there's two Forsaken. We probably shouldn't get into a physical fight with them. Like, yeah, Rand, yeah. Like, Matt and Perrin go weapons. to charge. Yeah. Well, right. although Matt and Perrin go to charge and, Perrin, and not you know, run into an invisible wall. And I want to, I want to emphasize this because Matt doesn't go to attack until. Uh, Balthamol attacks Nynaeve. He yells the wisdom and he pulls out the dagger. So like he yeah. doesn't, it is time. It's not a lot of time, but it is first this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then Moraine's like, all right, that's enough. It also reads like Nynaeve is dead. Yes. Yeah. They well, like the, the way he, like, he throws her and she goes limp. I don't remember what I thought the first time I read it, but it totally looks like she's dead. Yeah, you're right. Then the green man comes in. He comes in blasting out of nowhere, yelling <laughs> at the Forsaken, like, you shouldn't be here. Yeah. Uh, like an, uh, Almost like a Gandalf moment, you shall not pass kind of deal. <laughs> it tells him he's got to leave. Um, that's when Balthamel tosses Nynaeve. Right. And he starts to, uh, he starts to like burn the green man, I guess, using the power. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Jen? I'm laughing at the chat. Oh, okay. So I just started blasting. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, no, that's no, that's fine. Uh, the green man like bear hugs Balthamel, and that's when he starts like I guess making plant life grow into Balthamel, yeah. awesome. um, killing him, and but I, not before the green man uh, Balthamel kills the green man too. Yeah. So. And I love the fact that the, the green man creates all this beautiful life everywhere, but all I can get inside of Balthamel is like fungus and like like twisted vines and weeds and like everything bad that you want to grow, that's what grows out of Balthamel because he's so foul. So I love that little piece of it. And then the Green Man's last act is to grow the tree out of the acorn. The giant oak tree. So are we going to get that? Are we going to get like, (laughs) so we're going to get like this whole like initial skirmish of people running in and getting tossed aside. Then the Green Man comes in and kind of, you know, saves the day sort of. And dies and kills Balthamel. Are we going to get that? You think they're going to put all that? I want Nynaeve going after Balthamel, because that's like a whole story that's happening at this point. I also want the green man killing Balthamel. Have to have that, and everybody else can be doing whatever at this point. doesn't matter. 
I I could see you not seeing the Oaks tree happen. I could see like you seeing the Green Man kill Balthamel. You don't see him turn into an Oak tree. And then like later on, like when like Rand comes back, there's, there's an a- Oak tree there yeah. and they, they mention it. Yeah, right. Just to kind of save time and not literally in the middle of an action sequence, just like <laughs> show the growth of an Oak tree oh, out of the crowd. Oh, a tree. <laughs> I like um, like the two of them becoming part of the Earth. I think that's a really cool visual at that point. Okay. And then at this point is when Moraine f- tries to fight Agonor. Uh, she does like opens a hole in the ground and is shooting fire. She tells Rand to run. Agonor moves towards Egwene though. So Rand throws a uh, rock at him to distract him. And then Egwene escapes. Rand sees this and then he runs. Do you think he's really moving towards Egwene? At this point? Uh, he moves, I guess. Uh, this is told from Rand's point of view. Yeah, I, I, so I just Rand think he perceives... was like coming after both of them. Yeah, Rand, yeah. That's possibly, yeah. I think you're right, because I don't think he cares about Egwene, Agenor. He can tell that Egwene can channel. Egwene's probably trying to channel at him. But he has, there's like a bunch of exposition that Agenor yeah. mentions that seems to be like he would be going after Rand. Well, he he does afterwards, and I'm going to touch on it in a second, but I want to touch again about how this is going to be on screen. and. I'm picturing all the stuff we were talking about, like, why is Maureen acting? Here's the dramatic pause. I think when Maureen faces off with Agonor, the job of the show is to make the audience think that this is the battle that you want to see. That, that Maureen, powerful Aes Sedai, is going to go one-on-one with a powerful evil Chandler. And she's going to unleash, like, everything she's got. I want it to be, like, all the little tidbits of, like, magic that you saw before. Like, I want it to be like, okay, well, this is, like, everything. Boom. And then, like, he just go- eventually just goes, goodbye. You're nothing. So that it puts over the strength of a forsaken. And it, like, I want the audience to go, well, what the F are they going to do now? She's this highly trained, super powerful magic user and can't even do anything with them. So I really think that I want them to take the audience on a journey right now of desperation. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope that's going to do. And by the way, just on my, there's a hint for whenever we do our second episode breakdown shows. This is 20 minutes into the episode. This is all the first 20 minutes of the episode. This is I really think they're going to milk this. And I think this whole thing is going to be basically one episode, more or less. Uh, mm-hmm. So when Rand runs away, and I did not get this, I don't think, the first time I read it. When Rand runs away, this is when Rand realizes that he can channel. When he's running away, he realizes that Baltham, that, that Agonor was looking at him and was looking at him because Agonor realized that he ran too can channel like Agonor can. He comes to that realization before he starts to do it consciously. Wait, before he runs? While he's running, he realizes that he runs away because he realizes Agonor was looking at him and was going to come to him and he realizes yeah. that he's looking at him because Rand can also channel. Like Rand realizes it at this point while he's running away that he can also channel. And I, didn't get I think that. it's more than I think it's more than he thinks he can channel. I think it's more because he knows that he's loose Theron reborn. No, I don't think he knows that yet. He does. He mentions... You mean Agnor um, are you talking about or Rand? Yeah, Agnor. Oh, he... Yeah, but no, no. Yeah. Rand doesn't know that. Rand just knows no, that. No, no. Rand, Rand finds out now, at this point, is when Rand realizes that Rand can channel. Now. Not oh, okay. when he does, consciously. Like, when he's running away, and Agnor... He reads Agnor's look as... Agnor recognizing that Rand can channel, and that's when Rand realizes that he that he can. Huh. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't think... All right, so uh, I guess I'll get up but to Agenor it. Agnor and... Um, Go ahead. Agnor and Balthamel know at this point which one they're looking for, right? Do they know it? Yeah, no, they do. Okay. 
uh, Aganar mentions about like he, he has a conversation with Rand when he catches up with him about how like okay. you'll serve the Dark One okay. dead or alive. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if like when Rand gets to the end, if Balzaman at that point was like realizing, okay, this is the one. I couldn't remember. No, yeah, they make a point. Yeah, they make a point that now, yeah, we know who you are. So yeah, Rand Rand runs off. Um, he starts climbing up the hill until he gets to a cliff and he can't go any further. Aganor reaches him. So this is where it starts getting even weirder. So Aganor reaches him. Rand notices that there's a white cord emanating uh, from Aganor. Out. All right. This is Sy- this is Aganor pulling from the eye of the world. Sidine from the eye of the yep. world. That's what this is. Yes. Are we going to get the white cord? I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. What? Why? It's I don't know. It's so what? weird. That's too weird. You were all in on on the Nim, but the white cord. That's a that's the bridge too far. Yes, I don't. Maybe you see like the power coming out of it and going towards the person rather than like a actual cord that attaches to them. I don't know. It just seems weird. So I don't like the cord either. But how do you explain or how do you make it known to the viewer that this is? he's pulling upon the power of the eye of the world. What if Aganor just says he's pulling on the power of the eye of the world? <laughs> what if he just walks like, in and he's like, oh, thank you for bringing me here, and now I'm going to use this pool of untainted but then, okay. sardines. But then how, okay. do you, how do you get Rand to then... Rand needs to know, oh, I guess maybe I should try and do that too. Like, Yeah, because then Rand he starts... He the no, and he's like... Rand starts... What if he, like, he's lighting up a specific color... And then Rand also lights up like that if it color. Were white, well, I mean, what would you think of that? So we know that he's using it. I just don't like the cord to him, and then the cord coming off but the how other do you cord. Know that they're... I I don't know. It's just it's gonna look weird. I think. But how do you know that they're pulling from the eye though? Agonor because Agnor can right. say it. Right, Agnor pulls. He's just gonna say it. That's all. He's just gonna say it. He's gonna glow yes. white or some Whatever. weird color it, that we've never seen. It reminds me of like a fetus, like attached to a placenta. That's you know, yeah. And cord. Yeah. That's... That's it. That's what it's supposed well, to like. I think that's what's supposed to remind you. I don't like it. It's weird. But it's not coming out of his belly button. <laughs> um, How do you know? Maybe it will. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, I don't like it. Yeah. So I think this is yeah. This is important, right? Because Aganor's drawing from the eye, and then Rand begins. Rand realizes kind of what's going on, and then Rand sees it, and then he starts drawing from the eye. So you have to. There has to be a way to visually represent that. They're drawing from the eye, and then there's some sort of struggle for the power from the eye. And then what happens next is that, I guess, Aganor becomes greedy and is trying, doesn't want Rand to draw on the eye, so he starts pulling as much as he can and incinerates himself yeah. from drawing too much of like, the power. He brighter, 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 and then that's it. He's dead. But think about a person who's never read the books watching this. But why can't he just say it? Why would he? he, he just... Why would? Who walks around going... I am now doing this, and then I am also all, going to do this. But all, I would pull more power. All villains monologue. All evil people in TV shows and movies monologue. He he, so he could he, just say, you know, he is. But he's, but thank you for bringing me to the eye of the world because now I have access to this pool of untainted sidine. Well, he yeah, does. That's true. Some good does, writing could cover. Obviously that. not he written does, like I, that, I, but. <laughs> but uh, so here's the thing about the chords: is that that comes into play again and again and again every time you're trying to have like a shielding battle, like that's the core. But those are different. Those are different chords though. And I think to, to that point, I think it might source. make, I think, I think it might make it confusing. Cause if you're going to throw the other chords in where we're going to get to chord, a chord later on, I, I, I think, 
I, Will I that be, be confusing that there's different chords representing different connections? I don't want those either. I, I, I no chords. A, I don't. I don't think it's a different chord. I think it's a different source, but it's the same chord. No. Well, no. It's, the the chord is just you. Is just how you draw the power. And I, I picture this all. I don't know what kind of. I don't picture like a phone chord. Like I think it's just. You don't like, like a like a like a coiled wire. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's just like, hey, like you're drawing from a power source, and it's not just like coming. Like, I don't want people to just glow like they're about to quantum leap. I want them to like, like there's got to be some sort of like sense that they're drawing on this power. And I think that you know, like whether it's a line or however you want to do it, I, I'm not going to quibble that. But like, I think you need to do something, and you need to do something because people have to be shielded from it. And if it's just an aura around you, then what what do you shield? Like there has to be something that's like pulling it in that you're gonna try I, and cut off. But um, you're not gonna but then are you always gonna show a cord when everybody's channeling because they're linked to the one power? Yeah. They never say there's a cord on anybody else. Exactly. When they're channeling. That's what I'm saying. Well, there's the other chords that link to the dark one, and we're gonna get to that. So let's oh. let's move on because I feel like we're we could argue about this chord. Well, for, I do like for, that we're not just in total agreement, at least. It's, well, yeah, that, I didn't expect that to happen. So, uh. <laughs> so anyway, Agenor draws too much uh, and winds up killing himself. Right at this point, Rand travels, and this is uh, this is where oh my god, it's so confusing in the book again because it's coming from Rand's point of view, and he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. There's no mention of a gateway opening and him walking through it. He just appears in Tarwin's Gap. So before you do that, I do want to – I put this little note in too and I want to say like this last bit of it, it's going to be kind of difficult to get everything that's going on inside Rand's head. And I wonder if they're going to make Rand the kind of person who just kind of – when he's alone, he talks to himself. Not in a crazy way at the beginning, but just like a – all right, man, calm down. Everything's going to be all right. That, that sort of a thing like, that some people just do. Like, like, say it out loud because he's saying a lot of things that he then does. At this point, he's like, away. I just got to get away. I got to get away. And then he gets away. And so, like, if they do that, if they see that in, like, okay, you know, he's that's what he's do- that's what he does. Then it makes the craziness more in play later on because, like, you already have an expectation for the fact that, well, there's a guy who just talks to himself. Like, he just tries to calm himself down out loud. And it, and it allows him to like, okay, he's giving himself like verbal magical commands that he's then fulfilling, right? So for continuity's sake, do they flash traveling, like actual yeah. traveling? Do we, does a gateway appear and he kind of stumbles through it, but he doesn't know. But maybe they make it like he doesn't know what's going on. Yes. You know what I'm saying? For, for the viewer's sake, because the viewer needs to kind of see what's going on, whereas what Rand perceives is different. Yeah. I, I mean, just, re- sorry, Benjamin. This was written before there were gateways, right? I mean, like he just yes. he just basically teleports here. Yeah, I I always chalk this up to Jordan not having all the details worked out right, yet. Right. I don't, you I know, mean, I don't want to speak for him. I think it'd be pretty hard to open a gateway and go through it without knowing that you're doing that. Um, this is okay. So that this is a call out to uh, the Dusty Wheel for your next notes episode. I want to hear notes about the end of the Eye of the World. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i want to know it's just whatever um, i don't know what the fuck this is that's his notes <laughs> a bunch um, of weird shit um, okay so but i, so, I yeah. think he travels um he definitely does travel it's but it's i think I think, it, I think they're gonna show it the way that traveling happens and he's not gonna know like he's just gonna be backing away and like a portal is gonna appear behind him and he's gonna get through it right uh, um, okay i like that really? I, I do like that I, I think they need to show it as traveling yeah. to not really confuse people. So, all right. So he travels 
And now he's in the middle of Tarwin's Gap. He sees Shinaro and forces on one side. He sees an army of Shadowspawn on the other. And he just starts channeling. And he's still drawing on the eye. So I guess we would still see that cord if they're going to keep the cord. Great. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think you do. Uh, but the, co- so, the cord's like just going on forever, yeah. like like off into that's the what, blight? That's how Rand describes it when him and Ag- when when him and Aganor are fighting. He's like the cord. He doesn't even see where, he doesn't see the eye. He just sees the cord go off into the distance. Um, yeah. So that's what I for how this is going to look. Right. So Rand instinctively brings hell to the forces of the shadow. Uh, the, the special effects budget had better be a uh, infinity sign for this part. That's what I'm looking for. So uh, first he casts lightning, which I want to show him realizing that he's done that before. Right. Like, because the first thing he does is he throws lightning down on the forces. Then he uses the yeah. air and existing fire to create a giant wall of fire. Right. And I want them again to kind of say, like, Moraine throws fireballs. He creates a firewall that moves like like and like uh, earthquakes, like then, waves of earth. Then he does an earthquake to destroy. The fire. So like he should seem a god amongst men. And I want I mean, it, it should make like what Moraine does, which is miraculous, seem paltry. Like that's the level that they have to show that he's operating on. But th- they're going to have to keep topping themselves later on in the no, series, though. No. Like Rand doesn't is... do anything like this again until he gets Calendor. Like, yes. Like, yeah. he doesn't, but they don't. Like, that could be season two for all we know. Well, it's true. I don't think it will. But, like, this is supposed to be, like, peak operating him. He's got a he's got a well, a literal well, well of Sidon that he's pulling on. Untainted Sidon, yeah. pure yeah. too, so. I don't like, so, um, all right. I don't like when he, like, angrily punches the ground and causes that earthquake to happen. Yes. He's, like, crying he and he just, like, ground, yeah, beating the ground with his fists. And it causes an earthquake. I think that's a little, I think that's cheesy. Um, but then he gets real I, cocky because his next move is, all right, I've had enough of this. Balsamon, I'm killing you right now. Let's go. No, wait, like, wait, wait a minute. Well, wait, I don't like this part because it's at this point that the creator just speaks to him. Out. And yeah, which like never out. ever happens out. again, I don't I think. Want that out. Right? Like, um, so anyway, I watched Nablus's video about this part, and he says that at this part he's basically skimming. Yes, he's definitely skimming. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but to me it reads like he's speaking to the creator, and Rand says, "I want it to be over," and the creator says, "Not here." And then he creates a magical set of stairs, taking Rand to Balzaman. And I don't know. I just feel like that needs to be changed because right. we never hear the creator speak before that or after that to him. Yeah, I agree with Tom. I think they need to cut the creator's voice totally or this yeah, or whoever it, it is. It never happens again, right? No, and there's never an explanation. He talks, I think, at the end of the series and the Turing Rand and the Dark One fighting. I think there's a, or something around that time. But yeah, I think they, I agree. I think they need to cut that. So, right, Rand like decimates, well, I think he, he crushes no, he the army pretty he well. Just, they're, just gone. Yeah. They're, still, there's still a lot of army left. Yeah. I think they mentioned that it's like down to two to one odds against the Shinarans and the Shinarans charge, and Rand's like in the middle of this, so he wants to get out of there. That's when he hears the creator's voice, which they're going to have to cut that out. And then he winds up skimming. Yeah. And there's the staircase, and he, he enters Teleron Riyadh. That's where, yeah. the stair, I, that's where he skims to. I think he just oh. needs to travel again. Let this well, it's, yeah, I. It's just I cut the skimming because it's just. I like the skimming. I know, but it's like it's like too much going on. Like because it seeds Teleramrion. It seeds the fact that like Balzaman's like not even in the real world right now. Like he's traveling to a place of like magic and skimming's so cool, and then they just stop using it for like most of the it stinks. Well, there's right there. Well, there's a difference, right? Like for skimming. 
one of them you need to know where you are more the area you're in and the other ones you need to know where you're going more right right isn't yes. that the difference between traveling and skimming like the it's different it's a different method of getting from place to place but you need to there's different knowledge involved in it but yeah now we're, we're getting really confusing now right we've got rand fighting agonor with cords then he teleports to another place mm-hmm. does a whole bunch of power shit kills armies and then he's now skimming a different thing i just feel this okay, is sorry. getting i just feel like if we don't know what's going on at this point like how can we expect a person who's watching like the finale of the first season or like the second to last episode of the first season to to follow it i just feel like they have to make it a, a lot simpler at this point i agree with you because now rand's rand's skimming and he goes into teleron riad and here comes an important part, right? So he goes to that place that the dream shard that he's been in in the other dreams. Right. So I think they're going to need to establish that. If they're going to keep this battle with Balzaman and the dream shard intact, they're going to need to um, set it up earlier on. And they're going to have to have at least one or two dreams in this location. Mm-hmm. So that way you can when he, when this happens, you realize that he's in some sort of dream world. Well, it says okay. he's like... Yeah outside the door and he recognizes that it's the same door yeah so, and then he mentions yeah as, as long as the yeah. room is the same i you know i think you're gonna know exactly so then he meets balsamon balsamon creates some visions as a merger all there's rand's mom getting tortured yeah um, um rand... if we could cut the ripping of the clothes off by the fades and uh yeah you know yeah. i don't think we need all that description of torture i think if they are gonna do it i think it could be one of those things where she's just screaming from some kind of invisible pain that's happening to her. I don't even think they need to show that. I think they can just have he meets Balzaman, there's a conversation and Rand, you know, creates the sort of fire and cuts the cord. Yeah, what's that? I think you need the visions there. The black cord? The black cord. (laughs) This is, I think, his link to the dark one. Yeah, it's a true well, I I think it's true power. It's a true power. And he's he's cutting that. Though the way I take it is that it doesn't sever his connection to the dark one but it severs his connection to the true power at that moment and that's what causes the dream shard to collapse um, so here's a question and and delusions is pointing this out in in discord and i i wanted this question you know this is a question i asked too is is that his link to the true power or is that his untainted link to sidine because the dark one gives him gives all the forsaken all the male forsaken untainted sidine oh. access I mean, it's black. That's the only reason I think it's a true power. But, you know, it could be. So that cord was there the whole time? We just didn't see it because he wasn't channeling? I don't know because they don't, you don't see them later on. The cords are so, like, confusing. No. Do we need another cord? No. Should, should... I hate them. Cut them all. <laughs> Cut the Cut cord. Cut all the cords. They just have to come up with some other way for him to, in quotations, kill Balzaman. Yeah, so let's say they get rid of the cord. Let's say we keep the cord to the eye of the world just because it visually it simplifies what's going on, that they're pulling power from the eye. Like they could even show some cool kind of David Fincher uh, following the cord all the way back to the eye. But this cord here, if they cut it, and I don't mean Rand cutting it, I mean get rid of it from the show, how does he kill, uh, quote unquote, Balsamon? So he just makes a sword out of the power. A fire. Yeah. He makes a sword of fire. So can he just stab him with the sword? <laughs> the sword of power? I don't know. I really don't. Tom, you have any thoughts? Or you or you want to keep the cord? I do. I want to keep the cord. I want to, he cuts the cord. 
Uh, he blows him with a bunch of fire, and then he falls out of the dream shard. And this is where, in my mind, I mentioned this before, he falls out of the dream shard, he falls back to where he was, which is just over the gap, and then he lands, well, he goes, he lands in the eye of the world again because of Neat. Well, he lands where he... He lands. He he goes back to where Agenor died. Right. So again, my when point the dream is that shard falls apart. I think that because that never really made sense to me at all. Like Rand doesn't know where the heck he's going. Why would he show up there again? He's not. He doesn't leave. He gets blown out of there. Why would he fall back to there? Uh, so my my thought is that that is need one last time, getting Rand to a place of safety. Okay. I, I don't really care how he gets back there. To be honest with you. <laughs> Um, to, no, to be honest, they could. It doesn't really matter too much to me how they do it. I'm just wondering. So you want to keep the cord? The cords are going to get so confusing. I want to cut the cords. I want to get rid of at least this cord. And but I don't know how he would kill Balzaman, or maybe he doesn't kill Balzaman. He doesn't. Maybe need he, well, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't kill Balzaman. So maybe they don't actually make him kill Balzaman here. Maybe he just. No, oh, I can't say that because then he thinks that he doesn't have to. And we talked well, about he this fi- before. Well, he finds out pretty early on, though, that, that that's not him. Remember when he meets with Swan, they say, well, you didn't kill him. <laughs> they they, they yeah. could cut this out. It depends on what they're going to do. If they're Do they cut out Balsamon altogether? They could cut this out. They could cut it although, out. Although it doesn't, I mean, it changes things in, in, in the Great Hunt a little bit because Balsamon's all messed up. But I was saying this. If the, like, at one point we thought they were going to do two books in one season, I don't think that he fights Balsamon at the end of season one. Uh, yeah. I don't think well, they're doing I that mean, anymore. You mean at the end of the? You mean at the end of I, the? I, I would world. say in the middle of season one, they would just do it yeah. at the end, right? Um, yeah. And that Tarwin's gap is enough for him to like have a a cotillion that's coming out party. But I don't think that's the case anymore. And I think that you want to end the season with him thinking he's defeated the bad guy. So <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Um, this is tough. I don't envy the writers again. Uh, <laughs> So, all right. So, whether or not he kills Balzaman or how he kills Balzaman, I think, you know, I think maybe we need to see some sort of defeat of Balzaman, however it's shown, whether chords or not chords. I'm voting for no chords. The Dream Shard falls apart. Rand winds up traveling back to where Agenor died. He goes down back to the Green Man place. Uh, he meets up with Egwene, Nynaeve, and Moraine. He t- this is where he tells them that he killed the Dark One with the One Power, where they he he recounts everything that happens. The the women now, Egwene and Nynaeve, know that he can channel. She mentions that the only other person who knows is Lan. And then she also mentions something else, which I'd never noticed before, that she had like suspicion that it was him because he resisted her bonding with the coin. Remember, she gives the all the boys the coin that some sort of so, somehow bond them to her and kind of give her a little bit of control over them. Yeah. Do you think they're going to play that up? Like, do you think that whole coin thing is going to be played up as much? But she gives a coin to someone who doesn't even go with them, right? Doesn't she? Yeah, uh, she gives one to Ewan, right? Ewan Fingar? I think that's a regular coin, though. Or, do you think? She, yeah. She didn't put a, she just doesn't put the, uh, the the weave on it. Yeah, I think that it's like, honestly, just like say like, oh, no, I'm giving coins to all the good boys here. So then it basically ends with the rest of the group coming out of the cave and they appear with Matt has the fragments of the seal from the Dark One's prison. Loyal comes out with the chest, which has the horn of Valir, and Perrin comes out with the dragon banner. Yeah, also, which I think they'll do. Loyal does literally nothing in this scene. Yeah, like, he's I don't not remember them. They don't mention him. <laughs> I don't remember him moving or taking any action at all. It's no. like he's literally not even there. 
No, he, he doesn't. He's probably wise and books it the heck out of there immediately. Two Forsaken? What? Um, Sean Sinai says, Jen, that you're being disloyal. <laughs> no, I like loyal. I was just like, is he here? Is he doing anything? He's probably still oh, looking at the crystals inside the cave. He didn't walk out yet. Holy shit. We've been talking about this for a long time. I didn't yeah, realize. Yeah, this is long, but it's good. All right. No, it was good. We, I don't think we accomplished anything, though. <laughs> no, uh, we didn't at all. But it was fun. I liked it. It was fun. <laughs> so there's some argument. There's discussion about cords. That's what we that's what we know. There's some, definitely some dissension about whether we're keeping cords or cutting cords. Do we need to keep Balsamon fighting? We all agree that the green man should stay. Yeah. Stunning, but true. We all agree that Aganor and Balthamal, Forsaken, should appear. Yes. A real dissension is that the cords... Yeah, yeah if, we if you keep don't have Aganor and Balthamel, then you that's like how Rand separates from everybody. I also what happens with them is cool anyway, but it's also like a good way to separate the group at that point. There's one other thing I want yeah, to it's also, I'm sorry, go ahead, Joe. No, I was just gonna say and it also, you know, there's also the explanation that the Forsaken are beginning to be freed, which I think is an important aspect of it. Go ahead, Tom. So one other thing I wanted to say that we just we, we kind of brushed past is that there's so many descriptions in the in the course of the series of Rand with a flame in the void. And I want them to show the void and Rand inside of it. And the size of the void, its proximity to him, how much void there is around him floating is a direct tell of like the stress that he's under and like his mental condition. So I don't know if you're going to do like a, like a Tony Stark in the, in the Iron Man suit kind of a thing. And like, basically like when he's at peace, totally like he's very distant. And the more he's struggling to keep the void up, the closer it gets to him. I want them to show that because, like, when he's fighting with Balzaman, the void's getting smaller and smaller as he's getting more and more uh, affected by Balzaman's words. And I think that, that that is a good visual tell. So, again, just how they're going to adapt it, I think that they have the opportunity to show these things in different ways than a traditional, like, here's the camera, you guys act, let's go. So, that's all. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think they will show some void stuff. I think we'll get some void. <laughs> all right. So I think this is a good point to wrap it up. What say you? Sure. All right. So let's get going. Let's move it along. Jen, do we have any patrons to announce this week? We do. Our newest patron joining the company of Chelvanen is Moss. So thank you oh, so much. Moss. Thank you for joining us. And thank you so much for your support. Yeah. The company of Chelvanen seems to be our most popular uh, tier. So thank you, Moss, for joining our patron. And we appreciate yes. your support. Very much so. Some other quick announcements. We're coming upon our anniversary, so we're going to be doing a live stream on YouTube for our anniversary episode on the 28th of August. While it's technically not our anniversary, we kind of had to work around our schedule, so suck it up, people, and deal with it. It's 52 weeks of, of the show. It's close enough. Yeah. It's Oh, yeah. I, I agree. We're also getting close to a thousand Twitter followers. So once we hit that, we were talking about doing a giveaway of some sort. So we'll probably give away some merch or something like that. So that'll be coming up soon. Also, uh, follow us on social media. All our info is in our show notes. Join our Discord to chat with us, hang out with us, join the conversation. There's a lot of uh, show disappointment talk that you'll, I'm sure you'll want to commiserate with us in, <laughs> in, in the lack of casting news. The Discord is a lot of fun. It's not just us being disappointed about stuff. Although we would like some more casting news, either leaked. That's or only once. A, that's like announced. once a week. That's it. That's once a week. The focus of Discord once a week. Um, yeah. Also, there's a link to rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, but you can rate and review us in any kind of 
podcasting app that allows that. We really appreciate that. Also, we have a link to our Patreon. So if you want to support us that way, you can support us that way. We also have a merchandise now, shirts and mugs and cups and things like that. So our that link is also in our show notes. So please uh, support us in any way you can. Like I said, there's lots of different ways that don't involve money. Um, you could follow us on social media. Again, you can read and review us. So we appreciate anything that you guys are willing to do for us. Share us with your friends. Tell uh, Tell people about us. We really appreciate that. We love it. We love you guys. We love all our listeners. So I guess that's it, everyone, for this week. Oh, this was a this was a draining episode. <laughs> I am spent. <laughs> I feel like Rand after he fought Agenor and Ishamael. Don't even know exactly who you are right now. Yeah, I don't either. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and you'll hear us next time.